You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. Hello, everybody. It is just Catherine today. No Chelsea. Chelsea's rocking her baby or cleaning up poop or doing something that new moms do. Um, But I am joined here with a special guest. We got Veronica Hayes, one of my besties for the resties. Um, Veronica actually plays a big part in Soul Fitness, which is what originated this podcast in in the first place. So... She is, I'll, I'll just introduce you as like how I see you and then we'll get into you, you know. Okay. Um, so we met in a gym locker room when I moved to Wilmington and she's one of the friends who I was able to open up with about my past in Dallas with my eating disorder and kind of get to some roots of like why we exercise and do we enjoy it or do we do it to beat ourselves up? And I remember I would be on like, the treadmill for an hour and you'd be like, you need to stop <laughs> treadmilling for so long. That's too much cardio. And I was like, that's what I do. This is how you burn calories. But anyways, long story short, we started training for a, the the same race and realized we were both entered in the same race. So we began training together towards the end of that. And our friendship really grew because when you're on a bike for 30 miles or running for 20 miles, you talk a lot. You get to know each other a lot. Um, and then one day we were walking on the treadmills. I'll never forget it. It was me, you and Catherine Linhart, as we used to do in the mm-hmm. mornings. Oh yes. And I was telling y'all this idea about soul and y'all helped me come up with the name for soul fitness. Do y'all remember that? I do not remember that. So we were, That's we were so on the treadmills and I was like asking, I was telling you like what I want soul to be like for women only to not be about physical bodies, but how we are on the inside, whole body wellness. And you said... Oh, so you want it to be like about someone's soul. And I was like, yeah, but soul sounds so cheesy. Like (laughs) S-O-U-L, like everything's named soul. And so I think Catherine said, like, what about like spelling it a different way? And I was like, well, there's like the soul of your shoe. And then we looked up the definition of soul, S-O-L-E. And one of the words that came up was matchless. Do you not remember this? I do not. Yeah, I'll never forget it. It was so vivid to me. One of the words was matchless and... I don't know if it was you or Catherine or both of you, but y'all were like, you have to do soul. Yeah, like, that's like such a good <laughs> word. And I was like, all right, it's soul fitness. So that's um, a huge story for me. And then beyond that, um, Veronica's just really taught me a lot about loving the skin that you're in because she is a registered dietitian and knows the science behind nutrition and has it helped me learn how to eat, <laughs> especially in the beginning when I was like yeah. not really eating yeah. as much as I should. Right. Um, so anyways, we'll just get to know Veronica from Veronica. Veronica, why don't you tell everyone who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into the weeds of it. Oh boy. Okay. So I, um, am a registered dietitian. I am a Christian. I am an athlete. That's, that's uh, I am for sure. a doer. Yeah. And I think when I think of like doing those four to those four things totes, like yes. those are the words I come up with a Christian, an athlete, a dietitian and doer. You are a doer. Um, and that's pretty much who, what describes me is that I like to do things and I love everything about nutrition. Um, and I love everything about being active and being stronger. 
um, and being an athlete. So. Mm-hmm. I like that you use the word athlete because I feel like a lot of women outside of like sports teams don't really mm-hmm. see themselves as athletes. Oh, yes. And like if you're moving your body and using your strength, like you're an athlete. And that's, yes, that's what that's what I tell everybody too. And I think that was a mind, mind shift for me um, in the past few years. And I think that, that shifting that to being an athlete because if you're an athlete you're focusing on being better at your sport Mm -hmm. not focus so much on your body and um what it looks like you just want to be better at your sport you just want to win the game yes right yeah whatever the game is whether it's a race or pull up doing enough pull-ups or you know squatting a certain amount of weight yeah yeah okay so Let's go back to how you got into athletics then. Like, what did your journey start like when it comes to fitness? And how has it evolved over time? So I I know that I started with softball. And I don't know if I played t-ball when I was younger. But it definitely started with softball and just playing on rec leagues. And I wasn't good by any means. <laughs> I was definitely uh, not good at all. But I I just loved being part of a team and I loved playing. Um, and then uh, I was also on swim team um, with my siblings. And again, not great, but I loved it. Yeah. And I, lo- I loved just being active. Um, so I did softball all the way through senior year of high school I did swim team uh through like freshman or sophomore year of high school and then I picked up volleyball in middle school and I did that for um a few years and I may have done that a year in high school but again not great um but just really enjoyed being active and being part of a team uh, and then after or I guess in high school is when I really um, I actually started going to the gym for the first time. Oh wait, no. Now that I'm like talking about uh, talking out loud about it, um, it helps I, to like process out loud. Yeah. It's like, wait, when did right. that happen? So, um, my sophomore year of high school, I took a weightlifting class, and that's like that was probably my first introduction to actually lifting weights, which was really cool. And then continued to take weightlifting throughout high school, and. I think I just I just found a love and of honestly probably the love was more trying to beat the boys and yeah trying, trying to prove out that I could be strong being a badass oh, right yeah right, exactly so um and that carried into college and um I I was obviously no longer part of a team because I again was very bad so I was not going to be a collegiate athlete but uh, I so I went to ECU and. The gym at ECU was just phenomenal, and I loved being at the gym. Um, and I worked there, and I just it, it kind of evolved from there. And now, um, uh, well, okay, let me back up. So in college, I had I was somewhat knowledgeable about weightlifting, but um, was more about doing the same exact exercises over and over again and lightweight. Um, no such thing as getting that much stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you scared? Like, I feel like a yeah. lot of women, a lot of clients I see, and even myself, uh, two years ago, right. was like really scared of heavy weights because right. I didn't want to get bulky, bulky quote right. unquote. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that must have been 
I, I can't exactly remember, but I think that was part of my fear was getting bulky and I was for sure a cardio bunny. Mm-hmm. I was on all sorts of cardio machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then towards the end of college is when I really, I got a little bit more um, brave with the weights and because I was working at the gym, I had some buddies that would help me uh, with doing like squats and things like that and they would rag on me about putting more weights on there and stuff so and that was just in all in good fun and then moving to Wilmington after college uh and getting into the Gold's Gym here I was still a cardio bunny but I sought out a trainer and to this day I say that that was the best investment of my life was two years of training just to learn proper movement um and strength and that trainer he it was amazing that in the environment that we were in he was more about my strength and not so much about what my body looked like even though I wanted to focus on what my body looked like Mm -hmm. he was adamant that I was stronger than what I thought I was and that I could do more and that I was perfectly fine the way that I was so shout out to Mr. Fred. <laughs> if you have ever trained with Mr. Fred, you know that Fred was the bomb. Um, so, yeah. So, okay, that's good. And now you do a lot of like Spartan training. Yes. You love races. You love competing. Yes. So when did that love for like, I guess you've always been a cardio or you were a cardio bunny. So you probably always loved like running and like. Yeah high endurance sports but like when did you decide like I want to start racing and like doing this for yeah competition I guess so that actually came about in it was when I was in Wilmington um so it was probably like 2012 I was working at Gold's Gym and everyone around me was doing the fitness competitions the ones where um you're in like a bikini and you have to walk a certain way and be in heels and I had attempted it at first, but the diet I just could not yeah, do because it's you're not eating. <laughs> yeah, it just was not was not good for me in a lot of different ways. Um, so I found out that there was an Ironman race um, in town, uh, and back well, it was Ironman distance. So it was not Ironman at the time, um, and back then it was the beach to battleship. So everyone else was doing fitness competition. So I said. I might as well do a half Ironman. <laughs> yeah, might as well. You know, easy. <laughs> and I had never done a half marathon at that point. Um, I had just like a, a regular hybrid bike. Um, and I was on the swim team before, but I had never even attempted to put any of it together. Um, and it so from there, I and I actually did really well in that race. Um, and then did my actual first half marathon. Um by itself a week a week or two after that. Oh my race. gosh. The <laughs> fact that you did it a week later. But that your body is so shot after and I know I've done these races. Like you're a freaking like what's it called? Noodle after. Like you're just like you've lost all control. But that remains still my PR for my half marathon. Is that probably back- just such adrenaline. Yeah. Oh absolutely. You were just like on such a high. But it was back when I and I didn't wear headphones for that race because we were told that we couldn't. Yeah. And I also didn't have like a, a fitness tracker or anything. I just ran. It was just yeah, you're like, that was really fast. <laughs> yeah. 
and I remember I was I, I just had I got to the very end of the race and I was like oh that's it like I didn't see you because they didn't change the mile markers for when I was coming through oh. I was like one of the first people through um and because I didn't have a fitness tracker, I had no idea where I was in the race. You're such <laughs> a boss. But then as time progressed, um, like you said earlier, you and I had done, um, and so I had done, that was my second half Ironman that you and I did together. Um, and just like my love of racing continued. And then I had gotten introduced to Tough Mudders and... Um, I did one Tough Mudder a year for five or six years and traveled different places to do those and loved them, but was craving more um, more competition because I was getting pretty good at them. Um, so then last year I did the Spartan series and I particularly love the Tough Mudders and Spartans because they combine the strength and the cardio together. Mm-hmm. So I get to... It encourages me to push myself um, in the weights and not focus so much on the cardio. Yeah. Um, and I've just found that my body appreciates that more. Yeah, it's a little less ruin on, on yeah. your joints and stuff. Yes. Okay, well, you just mentioned traveling to different places for races. Let's talk about D.C. Yeah. <laughs> and our first half or our oh first full marathon. Okay? Oh, gosh. So it was your first too, right? Oh, and first and only. And okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Veronica and I, after doing the half Ironman, I would say we were on like a high. And then it wasn't until like a year after that, right, that we found this race. And it was like yes. super cheap, and that's why we signed up for it. We were like yes. decided we, we were also trying to qualify for Boston. Oh yeah, because you know that's easy. <laughs> we're this is like so us. Like oh, let's just qualify for Boston. Like that's simple. So yes, this is like the very last race to qualify for Boston of the following year, and it was a flat race. It was flat, and we we're like we have a chance. And honestly, at that time, I am not fast anymore, but we were fast. We were yes, yeah, we were like fast. we were very. We're, you're still fast. I'm like at 10 minute miles now and like I've lost my, my groove, but we were grooving then. <laughs> so we signed up for this race in DC and we drive, we road trip out there. My mom came mm-hmm. and my brother came. Yeah. Like it, everyone was like celebrating this like yeah. first full yeah. marathon. Mm-hmm. And we, the day of the race, it just starts off terrible. <laughs> the day of the race, my mom drops us off at the quote unquote start. start line. Yeah. Which was not the start. She drops us off at this place, this park, essentially, mm-hmm. and then drives away. And by the time she's gone, we realize we're in the wrong spot. We're like a mile away from the start. A mile away from the start. And it's close to start time. Yes. So we have to run a mile before we're about to run 26.2 miles. Yep. So we get to the start line, already sweaty. It's, it was like 98 degrees that day or something. Do you remember what we did on the way as we were running to the start of our marathon, though? No. We had sk- <laughs> We had called, um, what is the, the biking place? The cycle, Soul Cycle. We we called to skip. <laughs> we were like, oh, we've never done Soul Cycle. Let's do Soul Cycle we're tomorrow idiots. morning. After a freaking full <laughs> marathon. But I think what we thought was... You know what? We probably could have done it the day after the half Ironman. So, right, like our half Ironman experience the year or two before that was, was incredible. Like yeah. we both 
finished with great times yeah. and we like felt good after we celebrated after like the yes. next day we could walk okay so flash forward to dc again we run a mile to the start line as we're running we're scheduling to go to soul cycle the, the next, next day because we're psychotic at this point <laughs> borderline issues um we get to the start line and the heat it's like 6 30 in the morning and it's already probably like it was probably like 95 plus that point. Easily. And like 90% humidity. Yeah. So it's really freaking hot. And we start the race. And I feel like the first half, we were fine. Well, and let's also say that it was, so it was on the Potomac um, River Canal. Yeah. So if you're familiar with that, it was on there on the CNO Canal up in D.C., and it goes, this race was an out, out and, back. and back. On gravel. It, but it was out and back twice. twice. Not just once. So essentially, you ran out, what was it, four miles or something? No, I think it would have been six. Oh, yeah, like yeah. 6. You're right, you're right. So like 6.5, then you come back. Then you go again, <laughs> and then you come back. Which yeah. So it's literally n- no change of scenery and it's on a gravel road. So and was, there's not space for people on the sides either. So you don't really you don't have, have anyone cheering you yeah. on. They didn't have any medics. Remember yeah. that person got yeah. stuck? Yeah. There was this handicapped person who was doing the race in like a, one of those, what are they called? Like wheelchair bikes? Yeah. Like Something on the ground. Like yeah. And they got stuck in the mud because it was a gravel road <laughs> and there was no medic there to pull them out. So yeah. Veronica and I are pulling this person out of mud yeah. in the middle of the race. Anyways, needless to say, it was the worst first full marathon experience ever. 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 Um, and we did not qualify for Boston. Needless <laughs> <laughs> to say, Boston was out of the dream. Yes. Yes. Um, but ironically, of all the places that Veronica could leave me for in Wilmington, she moved from Wilmington over three years ago to DC area. Yeah. So, so I, I have ran and cycled. No, just ran. On that same trail, and I have PTSD. I know, I was going to say PTSD. I don't think I could ever go back. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I remember at the end, this is actually like a really cool moment, but at, in the moment it was not. At the end of the race, I was just dying. And my brother texted me because I guess my um, they were tracking me on yeah. the thing. Yep. And he texted me because I was, I had stopped moving because okay. I just like stopped. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally stopped. <laughs> like, I didn't, I wasn't walking. I just, was standing there in the middle of the marathon in the middle of the marathon and he texted me and he was like you good because like he saw that I wasn't moving and I was like I think I'm gonna die or something like that or I'm not okay I'm not gonna make this last mile and he said I'm coming so he ran a mile out to me I know he ran a mile out to me in normal human clothes and then (laughs) ran in the last mile with me which was so that was a really cool moment but still not the best marathon ever or probably the worst um Except the marathon that I, the only other marathon I did, I that was pretty bad projectile <laughs> vomited three times. Needless to say, I'm not signing up for another full marathon again. No, no pay me. Um, okay, so you moved to D.C. three years ago. I did. What led you from moving to, from Wilmington, which mm-hmm. you loved, uh, yep. to Washington, D.C. area? Yeah, so yeah, Wilmington... I lived in Wilmington for seven years and I love, love, love Wilmington. But um, I just was not being my best self in Wilmington. Um, I'd gone through a tough breakup and I knew that it was just toxic for me to continue to stay in Wilmington and I wasn't going to um, 
grow into the person that I need to be. And it was possible that this toxic relationship would continue Mm -hmm. um, if I didn't get out, unfortunately. Um, And so my goal was, you know, I wasn't being my best self in my career. I wasn't being my best self in my faith. Um, wasn't being my best self as a friend and in relationships either. So that was my goal when I left Wilmington was um, to go to DC and well, I was to move and I had an opportunity to move to DC um, where I could kind of just start over. Start really, yeah. Start fresh. Start but, fresh. I mean, that's what brought me to Wilmington is just yeah. a fresh start. Yeah. And you need that sometimes, especially in yeah. adulthood in your 20s. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's tough, but. It's needed sometimes. Yeah. So we mentioned in the beginning that you're a registered dietitian. Um, t- walk us down that like career path for you. What made you want to go into that type of work? And then how has your job, career, style of work changed over the last like I guess decade almost? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which yes. is crazy. Like I we're know. so old. I know. Oh. Um. Goodness. So I originally went to school to pursue um, being a physical therapist. And then I took cultural foods as just a an elective um, as part of pre-PT school. And I loved cultural foods. I loved learning about the foods, where, um, what foods mean in different cultures. And the bonus for me was that I could... Um, one class a month you could make food and bring it to to class and that was just extra bonus points for class if you ate the food too and I was like, like well, sign duh. me up like, like why else would you make it <laughs> <laughs> I was like well okay then I need to pursue um this thing called nutrition so that just that started um my path in the nutrition world and then when I I moved to Wilmington to do my dietetic internship. So if you know anything about being a dietitian or if there's any um, uh, RDs to be out there, you know that there is a um, a 1,200-hour or year-long dietetic internship that's didactic. So it's, um, it's practical application and actually working in the field under dietitians um who then just sign off on what you do so my didactic that's a hard word to say yeah didactic Didactic. dietetic internship was in wilmington (laughs) um so that's what originally got me here and i'm so thankful for that um and my goal afterwards was to be a sports dietitian I wanted to work with athletes um, on their nutrition and just bettering them in, themselves in their sports um, with their energy and um, energy output and just creating lean body mass and muscle mass and things like that. So um, I got a job after my dietetic, after my internship. Yeah, um, I was like, yeah, well, nicks all yeah, those words. Yeah. <laughs> I got the job after my internship that I thought was going to be fantastic. It was with a startup company, but... Um, it turned out it was just in the baby phase when I when I began with them, and they thought that there would be a position for me, but I, I ended up being more um, admin like. So mm-hmm. um, I and then the company moved. So when they moved, I went ahead and um, part ways with them, um, and. That's actually when I went to Michigan, which I don't talk about a whole lot. Oh, the Michigan saga. That is <laughs> the a... Michigan saga. That, <laughs> honestly, 
as you don't talk about you should talk about it more because I feel like that is a learning curve oh. for so many women who yeah so tell us a little bit about Michigan yeah okay so I like I said I really wanted to be a sports dietitian and at this point I had not sat for my registration exam and in order to be a registered dietitian you have to sit for your exam and you have to pass it So I had gotten what I thought would be a dream job with Lifetime Fitness as the dietitian, and I happened to take the position in Michigan. (laughs) The worst, okay, I can't, there are probably some Michiganians out there. Um, It's a shift in environment from the South because of just one winter. Yes. Especially the beach. And we're not well. Like, we're not yeah. well in cold weather here. It's like 60 yeah. degrees here, and we start crying. We're putting on, like, mink coats. Right. So that's, one. That's like, the biggest thing, I would say. And I moved in uh, into February, beginning of March. So the cold, like no, needless to say, the coldest month of the yeah. year. It was just not – I did not set myself up for success. But – I went up there, and just before I left, I sat for my dietet- my dietetics exam or register- registration exam, and I actually didn't pass. And that's not that's something I actually don't share a lot either. But I didn't pass by one point, and that was devastating mm-hmm. um, because this was my my just my life being a dietitian. Your dream, um, yeah, yeah. So it was understood with the with the job um, at Lifetime that I would pass within the next six months. So. Um, I was still able to go up there and work. Uh, it just was not a good, just an not, it was not a good environment for me for a lot of different reasons. But one of the things that they said was that I was not cut out for the job. And whether they meant being a dietitian or meant the sales part of the position, I'm not sure. But I, at that time, I took it as I'm not meant to be a dietitian. Mm-hmm. And it like pierced you. Oh my gosh. Those, it words, are, me. those words will yeah. stick with you too. So I, um, needless to say, moved back in 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but the learning piece of it is that I think it's cool to remember that you can try something and fail and always go home. And try again. And try again at something else. Yeah. Um, you're never stuck. You're never stuck. And... I'm just so grateful that I was able to come back mm-hmm. um, and and I was able to suck it up and say, I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was not for me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> or at least learn like, well, now I know what I don't want Yeah, and I can pursue, I can cut those things out and pursue this or yep. go down this route. Yep. 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 Yeah. So like whenever I hear people say like, well, I don't want people to think that I'm, you know, fa- or not cut out for something or I don't want people to think that I just quit things. I don't, people just want you to be happy. Yeah. And cause I definitely had those thoughts and I, like, sometimes I don't want to be a quitter, yeah. especially you being like a doer and right. like a yeah athlete, like athletes commit to races and they yep. race them. Yep. They don't like quit halfway through training. Right. So you have that mentality. Right. Right. Um, so then I got back to Wilmington and again, I thought that I wasn't cut out to be a dietitian. So I got a job at a law firm um, just doing some paralegal work and found myself helping everybody in the office eat better. Um, (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, maybe I actually am cut out for this. Um, And I had gotten a part-time job at the GNC in town. And 
I was able to kind of shift some things around and spend six weeks in the library studying for my exam. And I was able to pass my exam, which was just like a pinnacle moment for me. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, and at the time I was, I've, I was kind of piecemealing my work together um, at being a dietitian. So I was, um, at the time I was managing full-time at GNC and then I was doing some freelance work um, under my own business name, um, Mind, Body, Spirit, I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> R- that. RD Veronica, Mind, Body, Spirit. So there might be some s- stuff still floating around out there. Um, but I was working for different boutique gyms in town and then also working with um, clients on my own. Um, just working with them on, like I said, eating better, um, improving their sport if that's what they uh, if they were an athlete, one of the things I got to do, which was really cool, was working with um, an elite paddleboarder. Mm, and that I remember of, that. Yeah. And it was She's really, so awesome. She is so awesome. And she just... Um, and like low-key famous. Yeah. Like on this... Shout out April Zilg. Yeah. <laughs> follow her on the gram. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be a guest, yeah. follow. <laughs> um, she's... I think she, she's what gave me the confidence to be... Um, to continue to pursue being a dietitian, working with people who wanted to better themselves in their sport mm-hmm. um, because she was so um, dedicated to the nutrition so we could actually see the results. And successful. Right. Well, she's successful, but a lot of times with, and you probably see this in training too, is that it's not just about the hour that they spend with me or the mm-hmm. hour that they spend with you. It's about the other 23 tw- hours of the 23 day. 23 hours of the day plus six days a week mm-hmm. um so it's hard to know what, what your what the changes are that you're actually making right and seeing the successes so being able to see the successes that april had um and still has is just incredible and that was just incredibly um inspiring and motivating for me um just to see another woman pursue her dreams right that way so um so yeah so i was piecemealing work together and um, I loved what I was doing, but it just wasn't, I felt like I, I needed more. I felt like there was more for me in mm-hmm. my career. Um, and then I moved to DC and in Wilmington, I was a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. Not a whole lot of dietitians. <gasps> Did y'all hear that? <laughs> y'all that's thunder. It's about to storm here. Yeah. That's crazy. Of course you heard it. You can hear like my dog barking. So <laughs> Okay, sorry. Keep going. Sorry. Big fish, um, little pond. Yeah. So when I moved up to DC, I was a very, very small fish in a very, very large pond um, of dietitians. So I was still trying to do my own business type of thing, but it clearly was not going to help me. So to let the listeners know, when you moved to DC, did you have a position lined up or did you just move? No, I did not have a job. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Which I don't always recommend that. But I was incredibly blessed and fortunate to have friends that um, allowed me to stay with them for free so that I could get my feet on the ground. Right. Um, and that just, and I had a little bit of savings and I don't recommend it all the time, but if the opportunity pr- provides itself, take it. I was going to, yeah, I think that's huge advice. Like obviously be smart about your decision and like what resources you have yeah. available to you. But we have a lot of listeners who are like, um, who reach out to us who are wanting to start a business or start something in life or yeah. move or transition yeah. in, in some sort. 
but they're scared. And a lot of the advice that we give them is like, you just got to do it. Just got to do it. And you just got to do it. And just like with Michigan, you can always move back. You, you can, can always, always stop come back. whatever you're doing. Yeah. You don't have to. And if yeah. God gives you or like whatever you believe, it's God for us. But if God gives you like a, like a gut feeling, yeah. like an intuition, I, I call it like the Holy Spirit, like of you need to move or yeah. you need to start this job. You got to trust that. And because everything else will fall into place eventually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, if it's supposed to happen. And this friend that um, I stayed with um, when I first moved up there, her and her husband had originally told me back in January of that year that I could move up. But at that time, I was in this relationship, and I was like, "Oh, I'm never moving from Wilmington." Mm-hmm. And and then the relationship quickly went south, and <laughs> I, I text texted her and said, "Hey, is that room still open?" And so it was just like this conglomerate of events that had to happen in happen. order for you to make the move. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's a perfect example of. God doesn't want bad things to happen to us, mm-hmm. but he will use them for his glory. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't want the bad things in my relationship to happen necessarily to me, but he knew that that's what I needed. To learn and to, grow. Yep. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, so no, I did not have a job when I moved to Virginia, Northern Virginia, um, which is scary and kind of demoralizing when you start looking for jobs mm-hmm. um but i didn't have a job when i moved here it was uh, very similar i didn't know that yeah i hadn't i was like i'm just moving yeah it, because you had the resources yeah and, i could stay with grandma and, and yep. figure it out and the lord convicted you yeah he was like you better get there <laughs> right um so i did within it was within three weeks that i ended up getting a job and i was able to start within six weeks of moving there um, Which and, is like insane, yeah. Especially being a little fish in a big pond, yeah. You're like probably expecting it to be a way long process of oh, yeah. job hunting, and yes. and then three weeks later, here you are with like a position. And I was looking at other jobs too. I wasn't looking at just dietitian jobs at that point because I was like, I'm never gonna get a job. Yeah, <laughs> because I just had a kind of a different path than most dietitians. Um, but needless to say, I did get the job. I so I was working at a mental health hospital. And I, I was originally doing a little bit of everything in the hospital. Um, and in the mental health hospital, it's not so much clinical work, but more um, like teaching groups and just making sure that they're eating um, well. But it's very different from a medical surgical type hospital. hospital. But this particular hospital also had an eating disorder unit. So... There was a shift in dietitians, and I quickly um, was one of the primary dietitians, one of the two primary dietitians on that unit, mm-hmm. um, on the eating disorder unit, um, and that. So I stayed there for two years. Um, I'm gonna pause, yeah, because I have questions. Yep. And if you're listening to this and have any triggers related towards eating disorders, or you're maybe currently in that spot, and this would trigger something, then maybe skip ahead a couple thirty seconds. Yes. Because I do have questions about this. Being that I'm curious, based off my past mm-hmm. and how it affected you based off your past, yeah. is you are meeting with these women who are sick mm-hmm. and have a very 
negative relationship with food and especially their bodies. Yeah. How did your history and relationship with food and your body, how was, how did that plus like the professional just, um, knowledge you had from school mm-hmm. and, and, the science behind it how did you apply all that to like help these patients and what did that do to your soul in like a negative and positive way because I feel like I would be like this is so um purposeful and so um like it gives me so much yeah purpose to to serve this clientele but also with my story I would walk away being like triggered and like Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe negatively affected in some ways so that's like a a very big question just dive in however you yeah that's a those are really excellent questions um so I was able to kind of disconnect my past experiences and at this point I was pretty much close to healed up with I mean I think you if you have ever dealt with body image um or issues with food or exercise in the past, those kind of carry with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, forever. And you will constantly have to just check yourself and check the lies that might be that you might be fed through different um, arenas that you're allowing in. In, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think at this point, I was able to kind of disconnect, and I think that in, in a healthy way, I wasn't disassociating, but I was able to disconnect. Um, like I can, I can imagine that for others that it would be like, oh, this person who is X amount of weight thinks that they are large or big, too big. And I'm this X amount of weight. What does that make me? Right, right. So I can absolutely see how that is triggering, but in for me, that was not the case at all. Because um, you recognize, like, they're sick. I, yes, I recognize the illness. But I think also with my previous experiences and my, um, just, like, the things that I had struggled with in the past is that it gave me a different kind of empathy for them. And just my heart just broke for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was exhausting, but... I, I I wanted the healing for them more than they wanted it for themselves, and that's the negative. That was the negative side. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, that they weren't willing to commit to a pro or yeah. healing? Yeah, and that's what, I mean, and we know that as professionals, especially in the eating disorder world, that um, it take it can take up to three or three plus times in the hospital setting for those that are um, so severely sick. Um, so. It's not lost on me that that, I mean, that, that was kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually, it was kind of healing for me to see that side of it, mm-hmm. you know? Cause you, here you are on like the healthy side of it, yeah. knowing like almost like a sense of relief of like, I got out. Yeah. Like I made it out. Yeah. And I, I would imagine seeing the severity of eating disorders that you saw near death, some people. absolutely, That you were hurt by, hurt for them, but Mm -hmm. also, like, thankful for your journey of healing. I I can't remember what I was watching this weekend, or this past week, but 
Um, it was taught. Oh my gosh. It was real housewives. This is so funny. So I was watching reality TV and of course body image comes up. Of course. And, um, one of the daughters of the real housewives had an eating disorder and she was coming out to her mom about it. Mm -hmm. And she was saying like, it didn't matter how much I knew that it could kill me or it could give me this disease or, or stop my period or whatever. Like how much science I knew all I cared about was being skinny. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that's was the majority of your oh, clients. Yeah, and and yes, absolutely. Because we we would constantly show them the science of it, and at that point, they're so sick, their brains are so malnourished mm-hmm. that even if they understand, like, oh, this could affect my fertility later, or this could affect my bones later in life, or um, this will affect my hair, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, if, even if they, even if we told that to them, they couldn't absorb that information because their brains were so incredibly malnourished. Which is why, like, I believe wholeheartedly it is a mental illness. Like, it oh, is yeah, like, absolutely it's, it's it a mental illness. completely starts from the mental state. Well, and we know that eating disorders are not, they're not in a vacuum. So there's always some sort of trauma. And trauma doesn't have to be um, what we see as trauma. Trauma is actually your response to an actual, something that's happened to you. So trauma, trauma could be some girls making fun of you mm-hmm. in middle school. That could be a trauma and it's your response to it is what makes it the trauma, the, trauma, the traumatic experience yeah. Yeah, for you. Um, so we know that eating disorders are based in trauma. trauma. Yeah. Um, and they don't happen in a vacuum. Fascinating. And so true. Okay, so you move from eating disorders into what? <laughs> Sorry, I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. And I think because of my past and because of like, just like the vision of of soul of like not hoping women don't go backwards into yeah. that mindset and like move forwards into, into freedom. It's like you were in like, you were on the front lines. Yeah. Like if we were in a battle, like I would, I'm just watching the war on the news and you're like, in the, on the, yeah, you're in the thick of it. So yeah. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, it was great. And if you are considering working in the eating disorder world, we definitely need more of you. So pursue it. It's hard work, but it is so rewarding. Um, that's the word say, I was looking for earlier. Rewarding. Yeah. I was trying to figure that. I was trying to get there in my head. And, and it's, it's devastating too. I, I will have to say. I mean, there's a still, there's a patient that I think about all the time mm-hmm. that, that patient will likely be there for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that they'll get out, and and that's devastating. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but on to happier things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe not. So I, um, I just was not seeing a way for me to move up in my career as as a dietitian at this particular facility. Um, so I needed more just growth opportunities. So I was able to take a job with a large university, George Mason University, as the campus dietitian, um, which was, it was a dream job that I didn't know I had the dream of. Mm-hmm. And so now I get to work and do everything that I could possibly imagine wanting to do within a private practice setting, but with the 
security of a salary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been doing that for about a year and a half at this point. Um, and uh, this is, sounds really crazy, but the my time at the eating disorder hospital and working on that unit really set me up for success in this because that was just such tough work Mm -hmm. um that sometimes working with the students can be really tough yeah (laughs) but now I get to work with students on whether it's um disordered eating if they have an eating disorder I do refer out to um those who specialize in it um but people, students that are newly diagnosed with diabetes, high cholesterol, hypertension. I also get to guest lecture. Um, I work with students that have food allergies, um, work with our dining team to make sure that everyone is able to eat safe meals um, based on uh, dietary restrictions that are related to food allergies and food intolerances. Um, yeah, do, just do a lot of education and- I love it. Yeah. I. Um would imagine that you knowing so much about food um I know that you're passionate about it but clearly you have heard you've probably heard a lot of like um false myths regarding (laughs) (laughs) nutrition um I use that word very lightly when I talk about this but what are some of the things that Let's just say specifically women, since that's mm-hmm. who majority yeah. listen to this podcast. Sorry for you two percent guys. <laughs> um, what would what are some things that people come to you with, like some blanket statements about nutrition or mm-hmm. some myths that they hear that really just like grind your gears? And you wish right now, if everyone in the world was listening, you could like put an end to those ideas and like yeah. guide them towards truth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So this might be um, an unpopular opinion, but I think there are a, I think the majority of dietitians would agree with me. The whole um, vegan movement, <laughs> yep. very unpopular. <laughs> We're definitely grinding through. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm touching that third rail. Um, plants are amazing. I eat tons of vegetables. What I like to say is plant forward so fill your plate with plants but you also need protein mm-hmm. and a lot of times what i'll see is people will have blood sugars that are off the charts because they're they don't have the proteins and fats to stabilize their blood sugars um or they're hungry all the time so they're eating a lot more which is fine if you truly are hungry but if you're not if you're just not fueling properly, our bodies are meant to eat everything. Mm-hmm. And when I say everything, our bodies are incredible things. And it can process and metabolize and use whatever you put into it for energy. Um, so really balancing that out. So you don't have to do, you don't have to be, I'm not saying meat forward, but plant forward and then add in some extra protein um, from animal sources. And if you are vegetarian or vegan for animal rights, I can completely understand that as well. But um, I'd really, really dive into what those, how what you're doing affects animals or doesn't affect animals or doesn't affect the environment. Um, A cool statistic is that 
um, for those that are vegan for um, environmental reasons, it is actually it would actually be more beneficial if you would just find ways to um, go to like the grocery store or go to work or visit a friend by not getting into your car. That would benefit the environment more than cutting out animal proteins. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of statistics out there like yeah. that. And I don't have the exact numbers, but there are numbers behind that. Right. And and if there if there is like a conviction behind why like you said or why you choose to not eat meat or to yeah. be vegan, then like just research ways to fill up that protein in your body right. and like yeah. replace that with and nutrients. Out, and I would actually encourage you to seek out a dietitian that specialize specializes in plant-based nutrition um, because, and that is not me. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't at me. <laughs> if you want to reach out to me, I can help direct you in the right place, but I'm not the person to help you with the eating portion of this. Um, but they will help you in way in finding ways to balance out your plate um, to make sure that you get the adequate proteins, the adequate fats, um, the vitamins and minerals. Because just for example, you need um, 20% more protein if you are getting them from plant sources, um, just because it doesn't assimilate in the body as easily as animal sources. That's interesting. Um, there's one myth that I would like to address with you that yes. I'm sure you'll be just as passionate with that <laughs> really just chaps my you know what and that is and this is what started my disordered eating path is apps like my fitness pal Mm -hmm. that tell you you need to only eat you can only eat 1200 calories a day I have recently saw and shared on Instagram that like the average two-year-old is supposed to eat at least 1200 calories a day and here we are as grown women being told that that's enough nutrients well I wouldn't even say nutrients because what kind of calories are you even eating (laughs) But right. Can I, that's enough to sustain. So I agree. So for, first off, the MyFitnessPal apps, I think, I think they can be tool, useful tools for some people. But if they are triggering for you, don't use them. Don't track your food. Like, yeah. Or it's triggering like, for me. I can't. Just like if the scale is triggering, triggering for you, get rid of it. Yeah. But and for, so for some people, it can be a useful tool. Now, 1,200 calories. Yes, it can and I don't know child nutrition, but yes, that is typically what we would recommend for a two-year-old. But keep in mind how much, how active a two-year-old is and how much they're growing, mm-hmm. okay? So as adults, and we've quit growing, and we're, like this morning, we were active for an hour, but for the rest of the day, we're gonna be pretty sedentary, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like a two-year-old is buzzing all over the house. Right. Right? So, 1,200 calories is probably not enough for the majority of adults, Um, but I don't want you... The other piece of this is that sometimes it is okay. So I know know that's tough. I know it's tough. I think what's tough for me, and and I'm sure it's... uh, uh, Okay. I think what's tough for me is, as a coach, I have a lot of women who want who crave being in a calorie deficit. Right. And I think that when you read things like 1,200 calories or less, and then you're training with me once a day and burning 500 calories. Right. Then that, that's when you're, a huge you're at a um, unhealthy nutritional deficit that leads down very negative paths. Addictions. Right. Yes. And if 
so there's something called your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. And a lot of times women's BMR is close to a thousand. Mm-hmm. So then you're only getting another 200 calories. That's what Chelsea addressed so, yeah. like a month or two ago. Is yeah. It, Cause she majored in, um, exercise science as yeah. well. Yeah. And she said like, you're like, just by being sedentary sometimes. Right. Burning. Yes. But for those women who are shorter or who don't have it, or who are not as active or can't be as active, then sometimes the 1200 calories is okay. But the issue with the MyFitnessPal or other tracking, um, tracking devices or tracking uh, apps is that it's just blanket. Mm-hmm. They don't, it doesn't really take into account a whole lot of anything. Um, whereas if you work with a dietitian, they can talk to you more about, okay, what, what's your muscle mass? Because muscle is metabolic, metabolically active and we want to maintain our muscle. Mm-hmm. So how do we maintain that? By making sure it's fed. Mm-hmm. Um, so a dietitian can work with you to make sure that you have enough um, for your metabolic, metabolically active tissue, um, fuel you so that you don't get brain fog. So if you're, you're ever experiencing brain fog because of, like after a big meeting or um, writing a big paper or a presentation or something like that, that's likely because you have a de- deficit of carbohydrates. So um, making sure that you are getting adequate carbohydrates and, um, so yeah, it, th- there's so much a, more to it. There's so much more to it. And so it's a tricky question and quick, tricky myth to bust. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I would say the myth is that not every woman should be in 12, at 1200 calories, like the tracking apps put us at. Yeah. Right. So. No, that's, that's really good. And I think that the just the knowledge that you shared just now is that we clearly don't know unless we are um, licensed like you are and uh, educated like you are. We clearly don't know all that our body needs. And if it's lacking in something, it'll usually tell us in a, in a way that is not necessarily fun, like brain fog or... Yeah dizziness or Mm -hmm. tiredness or things like that so learning to listen to your body is is easier to do once you've been once you've met with like a professional right that can help you teach help teach you about your body right and tease out what the the foods are Mm -hmm. um, and how much the foods are that you need to make you feel better yeah yeah okay so we've covered um two of well three of the four things on your tote bag we've covered Mm. athlete Mm mm-hmm Dietitian, we've covered doer. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you do all the things. Um, Christian, yeah. Do you want to dive into your faith a little bit? Sure. Yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting road. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's cool to be able to talk with you about it because, like, you were the um, the catalyst to get me into church again. So I grew up uh, Catholic, and it was. Um, in doing some just devotional work and um, soul work, even just this year, I think w- why I was so into my fa- into my faith, quote unquote, um, into the Catholic faith back then was it was kind of a safe haven from my um, 
kind of rocky home life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I was part of youth group and, but I just didn't, I, looking back, I did not have a relationship with God. With yeah. Jesus. Like there was, it was more of just like a club. Well, I think for a lot, like that's kind of how it was for me yeah. in high school is like, it is, it's a safe place. Yeah. For a high school student, that's really helpful. Yes. Like youth yeah. group. And, and I'm so grateful that that's the safe place that I chose. For know? real. Yeah, there's other places <laughs> that aren't so safe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So even though, yeah, it, it, it could have been a lot worse. Um, so then, and I continued to pursue the Catholic faith in college. And then afterwards, it just, it didn't feel, I didn't feel the connection. So there just wasn't, I just, I didn't felt, feel drawn to going back to church. I tried a couple churches in Wilmington, a couple Catholic churches, and I just wasn't, um, it wasn't sitting well with me. Um, on Sundays, I would make it a point to go out to the beach and go for like a walk or a run and just sit and just admire the Nature, work that, that yeah. God had done. And like, so I, I've always believed in God, but like having a relationship with him was not always there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that very first bike ride that you and I did, I remember that. Yeah, thirty miles. We co- and this was literally the fir- pretty much the first time her and I had met. Yeah, um, uh, or the first time we'd had one on one time at least. Yeah, because like so we, we would hang out in the locker room with like right. a bunch of girls. Right, like as we're getting ready for work. Right. Um, but yeah, this was like the first time one on one, thirty miles. So, just so for those of you that most people probably don't know, yeah, <laughs> like who goes out for fun <laughs> for a thirty mile bike ride. <laughs> I think that day we also did... We a, ran too. Like, oh, 5K. Because mm-hmm. we ran around yeah. UNCW. So the bike ride was two hours at least. And then that 5K was probably another like... 30 minutes at least. Yeah, yeah. something like that. So we were together for a long time that day. So we covered a lot of ground. Um, but I clearly remember you sharing your faith with me. And it was just... It was so effortless. And um, like the, it wasn't like... You weren't sharing your faith with me to evangelize me mm-hmm. is what I maybe that's what you were going for. no I didn't have a, I didn't have <laughs> yeah. a dilemma or what is it called uh, um, not dilemma a uh oh, you know what I'm trying to say yes. right like the um no, agenda the, agenda yes thank you thank you <laughs> two very different definitions yeah. <laughs> dilemma I probably had a lot of those <laughs> I think we covered a lot of dilemmas this is some dilemmas for sure agenda yeah, yes um but it was so effortless and you told me about the church that you were going to, and um, you were going to the bridge at the time. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I did a lot of training on Sundays, so I was like, oh, I'll just go after the race. And we were pretty close to the Yeah, we, we started training together towards the end of... Yeah. I think we had like two months left yes. or something. So I was like... Which oh. feels like the end. <laughs> yes. It, it is In a race like training. that. Yes. Um, so I think... And like... The effortlessness that you were able to share your faith with me and the, um, like, and you still have this is just like your spirit about you and like the positiveness, the positivity and just like everyone can tell Jesus is in you. And I was like, oh, I need some of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and it wasn't that things were like bad in my life, but I was like, I need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I had decided that I would go to the start going to the bridge or try try out the bridge after the race. So I, I think I went the race was on a Saturday and 
It's possible I went that very next day. I think we both did. Okay. I, I can't remember if it was I the next I think we went day. together because didn't, okay. I mean, didn't my family, or didn't my mom go with us or something? Like, maybe. I don't know. I just remember, I do remember going. Like, yeah. Like, pretty immediately after. Yeah. And we did some, or I did some celebrating after the race, and I remember not feeling that great. <laughs> was it that same day? <laughs> remember might have been the week after yeah regardless. regardless it was either the very next day after the race or the week after and from then on I was like this is where I belong this is like my home um and just the gospel really spoke to me and the gospel preaching there um just really it touched my heart in ways that I needed to be touched um but also and for me the um the worship portion mm-hmm. is so important like that is what feeds my soul um, and worship has always been really good at the bridge. Yeah, it's I don't know. Fi- it's I haven't fire. been back recently. But it just gets better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that church is so blessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, and then immediately I started going to small group with you. Yeah. Um. And that was just a really good experience. And um. At one point, you weren't part of that community group anymore, but I was still going and I was going through some really tough times. Um, and I wasn't planning to go to community group that day, but I went anyways. And I shared, we, for whatever reason, we broke up into men and women that day for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And I just broke down and did some serious confessing with these women that I barely knew. And I was so afraid of being just like, banished from the church and all that but they just loved me and mm-hmm. hug hugged on me and just like cried with me and that was like such a redeeming experience mm-hmm. um to know that god's grace actually exists yeah like <laughs> it was just such an incredible thing to know that, to tangibly experience yes it. yeah yeah that's huge um, yeah so um i guess here I'll say if you are battling with anything, find a confidant that you can um, trust to tr- share your story yeah. with and not be judged or right. condemned. So that you can experience that grace and that redemption uh-huh. too. Um, so after that, like that, I mean, it, I think that's what kind of like just broke me, but also made me grow closer to Jesus. Um, and then moving to DC part of me moving up there was to grow more in my faith and be more like Jesus and try continue to try to try even harder to be more like Jesus, um, as a Christian. And, um, I was, this is such a God thing is that the neighborhood that I moved into, um, so the bridge is a church plant from a church in Raleigh called the summit. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for something similar and you had asked, um, our pastor yeah. um, at the bridge if there was something similar in Virginia and there was so I went there that was like 45 minutes from where I was living but that same day they also announced a new church plant from the summit in my neighborhood crazy I mean God does, uh, God's incredible he gonna do it <laughs> yeah and one of the things that if you know me you know that I love being outside so I was for a good six months to a year, I was able to walk to church. Yeah. Which that was just something so special for me. Right. Um, and 
we're still a very small church plant, but um, we're in Virginia and um, just growing that community and growing my faith and doing Bible studies and um, just finding the the mentorship and the um, the discipleship up there has been um, paramount for my faith. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's been really cool to watch you grow um, and to like still feel like. I don't know what the word is. I'm, not, I'm really having a hard time with words. Agenda, <laughs> dilemma. Um, but to still feel like like one thing that's really rare and what well, shouldn't be rare, but is rare, unfortunately, in friendship is to not is to feel like you have to like put walls up during certain mm-hmm. parts of your life. And I feel like you're a friend who we can come to each other. Like I think we did this like two months ago and be like, I'm really mad at God or I really don't know what I believe about this or I'm really still struggling with this and to not feel like we said earlier condemned but instead feel like accepted and known and valued just the same and have people that can speak truth and right like I think yeah I feel like you and I can easily open up about that and Mm -hmm. I think that that is so important because there are times that are so tough that we question what is he doing right and then one of us can say well let's look at it from this perspective which I is said, why community is so important right. like we need each other we right We're we not don't just need alone. we don't just need god we need the people of god you yeah. know like yeah. to help us so um i love I, I think that your story is super awesome and encouraging in many ways and i think it's gonna really speak to a lot of our listeners because you've been through it with like your career like you've you've and by through it I mean like you've been through some tough times but stuck with a dream that laid on your heart and I think that that's really important for people to hear is like you're gonna want to quit sometimes but if you Mm -hmm. feel like this is what you're called to do then you gotta grind it out even through the tough times and keep pushing forward um and with pursuing um sports I don't know how to put it like races and like Mm -hmm. just like I think that's something that people need to hear is don't sign up for a race if you don't want to, but just commitment to things that are yeah. important to you. Right. Having commitment and meaning and discipline behind the things you do. And also your faith. Like if, if you're feeling pulled towards something, don't do it because you feel like you're supposed to do it because like it's shaping your identity and you want right. to press into that. So yeah. I think that this, I was, I was really excited to, for you to share your story because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be super encouraging for all of our listeners. Um, Thank you. I am going to ask you the four questions that we ask every single guest. And I know all these questions, but I did not prepare. <laughs> you know what's funny is people who who do listen to the podcast regularly always, it's the same thing. They're like, oh, dang it. Like, I knew. Yes. Well, that's probably good. It'll be more, um, um, what's the word? Authentic. Authentic. Yes. Authentic. Um, agenda. <laughs> Dilemma. Yeah. Okay. So first question is, what is something that you're currently obsessed with right now or binging? Um, outside. Mm, nature. Or just like being outside. Just being outside. Like, just with quarantine, I spend so much time walking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, my footprint is all over my town. <laughs> yes. I've been doing a lot more walks lately yeah. too and realizing that it feeds my soul almost just as much as running oh, does. It where does. I feel like running, I sometimes put more pressure on yes. myself. Where walking, there's no pressure involved. So and it's so, like yeah. the sweet spot of like, I can still get that like 
nature yeah. adrenaline kick. Some of the endorphins. Without yeah. feeling the pressure to yeah. run a certain amount of miles or burn a certain amount of calories right. or whatever. Or certain pace. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I go out and won't even start my watch. Right. And which is for those <laughs> having a fitness tracker is a blessing and great. a curse. Yes, yes. A blessing and a curse for sure. But sometimes I go out and intentionally I'm like, no, I'm going to go on a slow walk today. Right. Yes. And, and it's really cool to go out without your phone or anything and just use that time like... To really take in. To take in, to pray, to see like... For or me, to do nothing. Like to yeah. be in silence. Well, yeah. Silence is so important. But like a lot of people, or not a lot of people, some people have told me that I need to just like sit still and try to hear what God's telling me. And I'm like, oh, that's I don't not do work. that. I, but if I walk and with, with silence and like nothing in my ears. You can hear more. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, okay. That's good. That's a good binging thing. Healthy binge. <laughs> Um, okay, what is something that you are looking forward to in the rest of 2020, which hasn't been that great so far, but what are you looking forward to in the rest of this year? Um, so actually last weekend I went camping with my siblings for the first time as adults. Um, well, that was my first time as an adult going camping. Um, it was incredibly hot. But it was a lot of say fun. It's close time of year. <laughs> yeah, it was incredibly hot. But it was also our first time doing a siblings trip, and it was just so much fun. So we talked about doing it again, but in the Shenandoah Mountains in like October, when it's a little cooler. Much cooler. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll I'm be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, a camper. I'm yeah. more of a glamper. I like. Um... <laughs> you know glamorized camping so this is the opposite of glamping (laughs) i think this cracks me i crack myself up sometimes (laughs) so um saturday night last weekend i had to use the bathroom in the middle of the night and i was like i am not walking all the way to the bathroom because they were on they had like those public um outhouse things yeah, it's actually ground. like like a flushable toilet and everything. Oh, wow. But I was like, I am not walking. Bougie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real bougie. But it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. So I literally just got up and popped a squat right next to my tent <laughs> because I was like. I have a story very similar to that. <laughs> First of all, in the middle of the night when you have to go to the bathroom, yeah. which the older I get, the more I pee in the middle of the night. I don't oh, yeah. know if that's like a thing it with is. age or what, yeah. but. When I was in, I just graduated college and I worked at a summer camp. And if any of y'all listeners know which camp I'm talking about, I'm not going to reveal the name because I don't want to get in trouble. But there, we stayed one summer in Colorado in the mountains and mm. in, in the backcountry. And so our cabins, it was like tents, were on the top of this like mini mountain. And yeah. at the bottom was like the outhouse with the bathroom oh and like. So far away. So pretty far away for like the middle of the night, have yes. to pee kind of situation. Yeah. But one of the rules was. You cannot pee and go to the bathroom up there. Like, we don't want to, like, loiter, like, leave any toilet paper, uh, like, yeah. any human stuff <laughs> out up on the mountain. We want to keep it clean. So go just walk, get a flashlight, walk down. Yeah. I was like, yeah, hell right. no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. So we had these little decks, and I it was the middle of the night, and I bought my, brought my flashlight out there, and I just popped a squat off the deck. And I'm here I am the counselor of all these. You popped a squat off the, the deck. The deck, yeah. A, that's impressive. Like I held onto the deck, and I leaned back. That's And impressive. just peed, and like drip dried. <laughs> yep. Shook it out a little bit, and then, you know, didn't have to walk down that dang hill. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yep. So glamping forever. Um... <laughs> 
Okay, next question is, what is something that you love about yourself? I guess my tenacity. Mm-hmm. If I'm using that in the right, word, the right context. I would think so. You think you're tenacious. With, with like, whether it be like the Spartans or my, my career. Mm-hmm. You're driven. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Is that the same? Is that a synonym? I don't know. Or... I don't know. Whatever. I'm trying to use You're both. Words. You're both those things. Like, I don't know. It sounds good. It sounds smart. <laughs> right. um, okay, last question is, if you could tell women one thing today, leave them with one little nugget of truth, what would it be? Just do it. Just do it. And I actually was not even thinking about Nike, but seriously, just do it and don't... It's okay to fail. It's okay to fail is huge. Yeah. I guess, yeah, just do it and it's okay And also, fail. like expect some failure in life yeah. like that's just part of, yeah of getting there and it, i mean it creates your story mm-hmm. like how cool is it that you can you'll be able to share that with somebody else whether it be your kids nieces nephews other friends to encourage them to be to try something new yeah or different yeah you never know until you try yep um well veronica love you so much love thanks you. for being on the podcast Thank if you. um people want to find you on the interwebs where can they go so i actually have two Instagrams because I have an Instagram now for the university. So you can actually um, follow that one. That is campus underscore dietitian. Um, and then if you want to follow my personal page, it's just personal stuff, but it's RD underscore Veronica. And I'll link all that in the show notes so that y'all can easily give her a little follow and a double tap. Woo. All right, girl. Awesome. Well, I love you. Thanks so love much you. for hanging out today. Thank you. And listeners, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.